0: Well hello there friends, this is Nurse Mo and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing podcast. Today is episode 148. And we're talking about what happens when you call a stroke alert on your patient. It can be really scary. So I thought it would be really beneficial to talk that through. So hopefully, when it happens to you, you have a little bit more confidence in that stressful situation. Before we do that, let's take a quick moment for our listener shout out. And this one goes to Rachel, who writes this huge thank you to nurse Mo. I just took my drug calculations test for first semester and I got a one 100%. I literally couldn't believe it. Without the nursing boot camp before class started, who knows what would have happened. I couldn't have done it without the boot camp. Thank you. So Rachel, I'm so thrilled that you had so much confidence going into your dosage calculations exam and nursing school in general. So what Rachel is talking about, you guys, for those of you that haven't heard me talk about boot camp is she's talking about my crucial concepts boot camp, which is a course for nursing students, especially those starting their programs, but it works for students who are struggling and looking for a way to kind of reset in between semesters and really develop that core foundation knowledge. So Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, you can enroll anytime, but it does go on sale a few times throughout the year. And that is right now. One of those times is right now. And it will be on sale for a few more days. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, I'm talking about April 8th, because that's the day that it is being published. So if you're listening to this, April 8th, it's on sale right now, April 8th, 2021. Check out the link in the show notes, but you can enroll any time. So I'll include the link to that. So let's dive into the topic for today, you guys, and that is what is going to happen when we have a stroke alert for our patients. So anytime your patient has a neurological change and you think they've had a stroke, that's probably one of the scariest things that can happen to you and to your patient. So in order for your patient to have the best possible chance for that best, possible outcome, the key critical factor is time. You need to ensure that your patient stays safe with an eye toward preventing additional complications, and you have to have a close eye on the time. Time is absolutely crucial. So today we'll be talking through what happens when you call a stroke alert on your patient. And this is in general, of course, some hospitals or facilities may have different protocols. I'm talking about your patient in the hospital setting In general, what happens when you call a stroke alert on your patient? So first, what is a stroke alert? So like a code blue, a stroke alert is a way to quickly get your patient the resources he needs for that timely stroke intervention. So when you push the code blue button, what happens? A bunch of people come running, right? They bring the equipment you need. They bring the crash cart. It's got the meds you need. The people you need show up. All of that happens, and it happens really fast. When you call a stroke alert, it's the same concept. You get the people you need at the bedside, and most importantly, you alert the CT scan technician to clear the scanner and get ready for your very imminent arrival. So when when do you call a stroke alert on your patient? So you will call a, a stroke alert Any time you suspect that your patient is basically having a stroke, no matter how minor the symptoms are, the evidence shows that rapid intervention is the key factor in keeping neurological deficits to a minimum and improving patient outcomes. So as soon as you see evidence of a potential stroke, you're going to follow your facility's protocol for calling a stroke alert. So let's talk briefly about the signs of a stroke, and they can be summed up very quickly with that famous acronym, B FAST. So B stands for balance. Has your patient suddenly had trouble with their balance, whether they're standing or sitting? If they're sitting, did they slump over to the side? If they were standing, did they fall? How is their gait? Do they appear to have any lack of coordination? Anything like that would be a sign that they could be having a stroke. E stands for their eyes. Have they experienced a sudden vision change? Have they lost all or part of a field of vision? Has the vision suddenly blurred? Do you see disparate pupils, which would be one bigger than the other? That would be a very late, very ominous sign. I hope it doesn't come to that. F stands for face. Does a patient have a facial droop? So ask them to smile. Instead of just asking them to smile, say, smile and show me your teeth, okay? So they're really going to try to smile really big and show you their teeth. When they do that, you're assessing for symmetry at those nasolabial folds. You also want to have them close their eyes very, very tightly and open their eyes really, really wide while raising their eyebrows to assess for any asymmetry there as well. A stands for arms. Have your patient hold their arms out And when you have them hold their arms out with their palms up and their eyes closed, what you're assessing for is something called pronator drift. So that upturned palm will slowly pronate, so turn downward as the arm drops. Now, of course, if your patient is unable to move one side of their body, move their arm, or if when or you, maybe you have to hold, put their arm up into that up position and it just falls, that's also an indicator that the patient has had a stroke, okay? So it's not just the drift, it's the inability to move as well. S stands for speech. Has the patient developed slurred speech? Is the patient having trouble finding words using language? Are the words he's using appropriate or are gibberish words mixed in? Does he appear to not understand spoken language all of a sudden? Any problems with speech recognition or performance are very concerning for stroke. And then T in the BFAST acronym stands for time. Again, brain tissue equals time. So the faster you can intervene, the faster you can get the help there for your patient, the more brain tissue we can actually save. So stroke protocols will vary from hospital to hospital. In general, you can expect the following things to happen in rapid succession when you call a stroke alert, okay? So the MD will evaluate the patient, or maybe it will be the rapid response nurse, Again, depending on what your hospital uses as their protocols for this, many facilities will use the NIH stroke scale to score the severity of stroke symptoms. So the rapid response nurse or the MD may come and do a quick NIH on your patient. The patient will get a STAT non-contrast head CT. You may hear this called a dry head because no contrast dye is used. They'll get a non-contrast head CT. The MD could also order a CT angiogram and CT perfusion scan as needed. The goal is to get the patient to that non-contrast CT scan as quickly as possible, often in less than 10 minutes from the time that that stroke is first noticed and that stroke alert is called. We want to ensure the patient has two IV accesses that work very well. And the patient will probably get labs drawn, coag, CBC, chemistry panel, blood glucose, things like that. The next things that happen will depend upon the result of that critical CT scan. So option A, if the CT scan is negative for a bleed, so if you hear your patient with a stroke symptom, if someone says the CT scan was negative. That doesn't mean negative for a stroke. That means it was negative for a bleed. And what that leads us to thinking about is evaluating the patient for a thrombolytic drug such as alteplase or TPA. This is a medication that can break up that clot and restore blood flow to the brain. You can learn more about thrombolytics by following the link in my show notes or going back and listening to episode 53. So the use of Alteplase relies on a lot of different factors and the MD will have to take a lot of things into consideration when deciding whether or not to use it. And that can include things like the time since last seen normal. You you might see that abbreviated as LSN, last seen normal. When was the last time you saw this patient without stroke symptoms? Was it 12 hours ago, or was it 10 minutes ago? It's going to make a difference. The patient's medical history, their blood pressure, the presence of any active bleeding, um, if the patient's got, um, you know, uh, alterations in their blood glucose level. For a long time, alteplase was only used for patients that had I want to say a last seen normal of three hours or less, it is now being used for up to nine hours of last seen normal. But again, that will vary based on your facilities, protocols, your facilities, procedures, and the availability of specialty services like a a neurologist on staff. Don't be surprised if you see a max timeframe of 4.5 hours since last seen normal in some facilities. That alteplase will be prepared for administration, usually by the pharmacy, but it could be by the nurse. It might be your responsibility to get that together. It is weight-based, so you definitely want to have a recent weight on your patient. The medication is always, always, always infused with an infusion pump and is administered as a bolus dose, followed by an infusion over one hour. Some patients, depending on the time since they're last seen normal, may require some additional kind of neurointervention. These procedures are typically conducted in a interventional radiology suite by an MD who specializes in these procedures, an interventional neuroradiologist or neurointerventional radiologist. Thrombectomies can be conducted on patients up to 24 hours since last season seen normal, which greatly expands the time period for responding to an ischemic stroke. So your patient's CT scan is negative. It doesn't mean it's negative for stroke. It means it's negative for a hemorrhagic stroke. So the assumption is this patient had an ischemic stroke and we're going to give alteplase or go in and do a thrombectomy to get that clot out. Now, option B, if the diagnostics show the patient has had a hemorrhagic stroke, the plan of care is going to be quite a bit different. It will revolve around things like controlling their blood pressure and some kind of neurological intervention, some kind of surgical intervention to address that bleed. Okay, so what else is happening throughout your stroke alert time frame? I'm so glad that you asked. Throughout the entire stroke alert event, you are be, you're going to be the king or queen of patient safety. You want to make sure that patient is safe and that you are monitoring for worsening or improvement of stroke symptoms. So, things you can do to ensure patient safety are Stay with the patient and stay calm. They are likely very afraid, and and you probably are too, to be fair. Um, It is possible to stay calm while you're also really freaking out. Okay, you're going to get really good, you guys, at your your nurse poker face. Even though you are freaking out inside, your face is going to stay calm. You're going to stay composed. You're going to display competence and confidence. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, lackadaisical about it or unconcerned. You can still be super calm, but convey a sense of urgency and clinical competence, okay? Your, your confidence is going to go a long way towards making the patient feel like they are in good hands and that everything is being done for their possible best outcome. If the patient was not in bed when the event occurred, you want to get them back into bed, you know, for their safety. You don't want them laying on the floor or sitting in a chair. You want to monitor their vital signs. They may need supplemental oxygen. You know, if that's warranted, you would be providing that. Maintain optimal blood pressure and cerebral perfusion pressure. So the MD may order the patient's blood pressure to stay within a certain range, You may need to give medications to either raise the blood pressure or lower the blood pressure as needed. Note that if the patient is on a continuous infusion of anything that is used to manage blood pressure, a continuous IV drip, they'll be in the ICU for that. Definitely maintain a patent airway. Some patients will have to be intubated to maintain a patent airway, and that would be in a very, very severe stroke case preventing aspiration kind of goes along with that many stroke patients are affected so severely with their inability to swallow safely, that musculature, all of that is just has become weakened or even paralyzed. You want to um, be watchful for that if they are unable to manage their secretion. So we're not just talking about preventing aspiration, like, okay, I, I just won't give them anything to eat or drink. We're talking about their Oral secretions, you know, you make saliva constantly and some patients are affected by the stroke to the point where they can't manage their secretions. So maybe positioning the patient on their side so the secretions flow out of the mouth, positioning them in that upright position, you wouldn't want to just leave them supine on their back. Um, Suctioning the oropharynx as needed can be very helpful to prevent aspiration. And of course, you're monitoring for worsening symptoms. So again, I mentioned the NIH, that's the National Institute of Health Stroke Scale. Most facilities will use the standardized stroke assessment tool. It's typically conducted, like let's say we give the patient the alteplase, conducted every 15 minutes during that infusion. And then every 15 minutes for the first hour after the infusion, then every 30 minutes for the next six hours, then hourly for the eighth hour to the 24th hour. So needless to say, patients who receive Alteplase get very, very, very little sleep in that first 24-hour period that they are in the hospital. And that can honestly make it really challenging to get an accurate neurological assessment because is the patient just tired? And maybe that's why their speech is a little slurred. Or maybe you woke them up, you know, they got a chance to get a 30 minute Catnap in between assessments, and you've woken them from a deep sleep, and they're just disoriented for the first bit of your NIH assessment scale. So you have to take that into account. And what I would say is when you're waking your patient to do the neurological assessment, give them a little bit to to like come around, you know, you wouldn't want to just wake them up and say, okay, um, repeat these things after me or do all these things, give them a minute, like let them have their best possible chance at an accurate score. So that's it, you guys that's your down and dirty quick talk through of what happens when you call a stroke alert when you would call a stroke alert and um, how you're going to keep the patient safe throughout it can be really really scary but knowing your resources knowing how to call that stroke alert knowing how to keep your patient safe is going to go a long way to helping you feel really confident and hopefully help your patient feel like they're in really good hands as well. So again, if you are thinking about Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, and you're listening to this podcast around the time that it was published, then it's on sale right now, you guys. So click the link in the episode notes. It'll take you right to it. You can always just go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com and find absolutely everything right there. And then I will see you back here next week. We're going to talk about some basics about the nursing care of burns. So I will see you back here next week. And in between now and then, there is a very good chance that we will have a bonus episode coming out to celebrate 2 million podcast downloads. So you guys, I put together kind of a fun little thing that I hope you like that should be coming out between now and next Thursday when the next um, standard episode is delivered. And that one will be on burn nursing. But as long as you subscribe to the podcast, you're going to get the uh, bonus episodes automatically. So make sure you do that if you don't want to miss out on this or any of the other bonus episodes that we do. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.